This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, September 15th, 2022 edition. I'm Justin Klein, and as usual, I am excited to hear your questions. It, uh, it really brightens up my day. It's always uh, fun hearing what is on your mind and trying to give you the right data, the right perspective to help you make good investment decisions, good money decisions each and every day. And that's what it's really about. It's not about finding that next great trade or that next one investment. It's really about building the mindset, building the tools that will help you consistently make good decisions with your investment portfolios, as well as good decisions with your finances. Because it all comes together to create your own version of financial freedom. And I always say that, I always say your own version because everyone's path is different. Everyone's starting in a different place and everyone's ending at a different place. And therefore, your solution is going to be a bit different than some others. There's crossover and there's differences. And the tools that you build each and every day to learn based on data, based on logic, based on experience, will help you understand where it overlaps with your neighbor or your cousin or your brother and where it differs. Okay, so that's our goal here. And my phone number, as always, is 888 chart You can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Leave a message after hours or call during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time each and every weekday. Now, I've got a packed podcast for you today. My focus point concerns the story behind this question. Can ETFs harness momentum and, and add value to your portfolio? Investors across all levels of experience typically trade tactically at some point or another. But what about funds that trade tactically? We're going to dig into some data. Also, time permitting, I want to touch on the bond bear market, give you some data and some perspective in history and market valuation. Is the market cheap yet? We're going to look at that. And then lastly, Private equity firms and investments in oil and gas and how there's different philosophies across the private investment world in regards to these energy investments. And we're going to look at that and how that might play into the public markets and energy prices longer term. Now, I see we have some caller voice bank questions ready as well. On deck, we have Pool Corp as well as SCI, Services Corp International. We're going to look at both of those today. 
So I've got all this planned for this episode of Invest Talk, and of course, taking your live calls at 888.99 chart. Now let's take a look at the market today. We had the S&P down about 44 points, a little bit over 1%. And this is the first follow through from Tuesday sell-off in on the CPI number. And we had some economic data that really over the last couple of days has been different than the market's big reaction uh, when it came to the, the Fed meeting uh, or Fed policy based on CPI. You had the PPI yesterday and today you had export prices, import prices, you had consumer spending, which was a little bit better uh, than expected, and industrial production actually ticked down month over month. You had in, uh, unemployment claims that ticked down again. So you continue to see more mixed data on the economy. And that tells me that, you know, the Fed or the expectation of the Fed raising rates dramatically different than their path before Tuesday is, is just really not there. Economy's not accelerating. In fact, if you look at the probabilities for Wednesday's announcement from the Fed, well, that's now up to 80% on a 75 basis point hike. And that's pretty much what the market is expecting. Anytime it's over 80, that's almost a shirt. And we're less than a week out. So you're pretty much going to get a 75 basis point hike, which is what ex was expected before Tuesday. So I thought that was an interesting takeaway there. Uh, so overall, definitely a weekday, but major weakness in the large cap growth side of the market. Large cap growth, if you believe the Morningstar style box, down 1.6% on the day. One of the reasons was Adobe. They acquired a company for really an egregious price with a lot of stock. And that dragged down a lot of the areas of the tech market. Okay. And... You only had large cap value was down 0.33% today. So pretty big difference between large cap growth and small cap value. And the fact that small cap is not leading here, it's hard to see a major market breakdown when the riskiest types of stocks, those smaller names, right? The non-blue chip names, and I hate the word blue chip, but the non-blue chip names are doing okay. Not great, but certainly not breaking down. So I thought that was a, a big story uh, today. The dollar, that was up a little bit, but not dramatic. You had the 10-year up about four basis points today. So it was another thing weighing on those growth stocks. Um, so we still remain, despite you know pretty decent down day, mainly concentrating large cap growth, which remember, the major indices, the S&P, that's where most of the weighting of the market is. The broad market, the S&P, is in those large cap growth names. So that's really what dragged down the market today. If you look at the Russell, RUT, that was down 13 points, about half a percent or so, nothing major. So that's kind of, uh, that was kind of the market today. A uh, little bit of fall through, you usually get this kind of three day reaction off of that big news on, on Wednesday, on Tuesday, excuse me, 
Uh, tomorrow is option X, so probably expect a little volatility, but the real fireworks start next week. And it's not about that 75 basis point hike. It's about what they insinuate about future path of rate policy. So that was the market today. Hopefully gave you a little insight on what happened. Now let's go to Sid in North Carolina asking about SoFi. Hi, Justin. Thank you for taking the call and thanks for all the guidance. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. Uh, yeah, I'm planning to take a small position in SoFi and since uh, it's IPO last year, uh, I'm trying to stay away because it was a new IPO and six months, nine months, but uh, I'm hearing a lot of news. Some of them are kind of, uh, uh, you know, on the mini stock. But is this company really uh, good from the long term? And if it's yes, then is this the right price? Just wanted to take your opinion and thank you for all your time and support. All right. This is SoFi Technologies. And despite the name technologies, it's really just a fintech company. And it did go IPO in late 2020, and it's well off that it was IPO, that IPO price around, what was that, $10, $11? Went all the way up to 27 and change, 28 and change. And now it's at $6.41. Definitely one of those growth names that has fallen out of bed. And it continues to lose money. It's never made money. Now it's supposed to make less money or lose, sorry, excuse me, lose less money this year and next year. So that's an improvement. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, more shares outstanding. Uh, so, you know, this is an, a name to watch. It is growing on the top line 50% year over year, latest quarter. So that's a good thing. But, you know, it offers personal loans, credit cards, mortgages, investment bank accounts, banking services, financial planning. And typically companies like this, their way in the door for a relationship with individuals is through some sort of lending product. So most of their business are personal loans, credit cards, etc. And that's a risky business. Technically, it's improving a little bit, but it's still very bearish. So, you know, interesting name to see if it can turn the corner profitability-wise, but not something I'd be buying right now. So I'm passing on SoFi. Now we're heading into a break, and I welcome your finance and investment questions now. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show and I've learned a whole lot. Hey guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor 888-99-CHART. 
One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Let's go talk to James in Sonoma. Wants to talk about an IRA. Yes, uh, I'm. Uh, <clears throat> I've got uh, three in uh, three growth stocks, three ETFs in my IRA. I have an RMD I have to satisfy next year unless Congress comes through with something and backs it up by another year. Okay. Um, I was thinking of taking those those ETFs, which when I bought them were solidly in the green. I bought them because I needed growth stocks. Mm-hmm. I had mostly value stocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and taking them and transferring them over to my retail account in uh, 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 and because they have very few dividends anyway, thus satisfying the uh, RMB. And if I'm doing stocks, does it make any difference whether I do it in uh, February or November? That was my plan. It doesn't matter. You can take your RMD out at any time during the year. Okay. What about the idea of transferring the the stocks that are solidly in the red now, but even if I put them in my retail, I'm not going to sell them. I, I, you know, if they're in the red, I, I don't want to sell them. Until they, until they well, I, I, do, I don't, I think that's the, that's the number one thing that people get in trouble with is they try to get to back to even, and they think that they're just, you know, they're just going to hold until they're back in green. And there's no guarantee that that will, will come back, especially, I don't know what, uh, what you're speaking about with growth stocks From- or ETFs or whatever. Um, but you know, that whole area of growth is, it continues to be under pressure. So I don't see that returning favor anytime soon. So frankly, I would be more apt to sell them as opposed to just hold them because you're underwater, sell it, move on and take the loss. That's part of investing. It's taking losses, moving on. Remember there's opportunity cost to that capital. Um, so that's what I would do. Uh, I wouldn't be tied to just the fact that you're down uh, tra- transferring it a stock. I would just uh, move on and reinvest the money in something that uh, has better prospects. Okay. Next call. Let's go to Richard in Valencia looking at LIT. Yeah, hi, Justin. First of all, I want to say congratulations on your 45 million downloads. That's, Appreciate it. That's yeah, great. It's, uh, thanks thanks <laughs> to you. I'm sure uh, you're part of that. Yeah. Uh, I know you're not, and listening to past shows, you're not super enthusiastic in, on the lithium space. I think Steve was a, a bit more enthusiastic about it. But if uh, you do get into the uh, lithium space, rather than uh, like something like LAC, what do you think about entering that space with LIT, uh, the lithium ETF? It would seem to me it would probably be – you know, it was certainly more diversified, mm-hmm. uh, less risky. What are your thoughts about LIT? Yeah, I mean, you're going to get, you're going to be more diversified, right? This is the Global X Lithium Battery Tech ETF. So you're going to get uh, some industrial companies, about 19%, 17% in technology, 50% basic materials. That's that lithium part. And then about 14% consumer cyclicals. So you're getting more diversity there. Albemarle, which is uh, one of the largest uh, lithium miners in the world, is the top holding about 14% of the portfolio. Um, you know, I don't dislike lithium. I just think if you're you're playing the green trend, it's relatively low on the list of the metals that are, are needed just because it's it's so uh, it's so abundant. Um, you're more diverse, but I still don't like it. Not a fan. 
888-99 chart. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99 chart. Go to Zach in LA looking at IIPR. Uh, hey Justin, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. You're looking at uh, Innovative Industrial Properties. This is a cannabis REIT. Yeah. And you own it or looking to buy it? Yep. Uh, I have owned it in the past. I got out uh, you know, in January as interest rates really started to rise. I thought that would be a major headwind for the company. Um, but it turns out that the real problem is they have lost 10% of revenues from a, tenant, a major tenant defaulting. And uh, a short report pointed this out this spring. Management failed to acknowledge it. They dismissed it uh, kind of out of hand. And lo and behold, the short was right. Stock's down about 60% this year. However, the financials are very solid. Um, they've been growing their dividend. Obviously, that's, that's sort of the, the key measure of profitability for a REIT uh, almost every quarter, um, up, up, up. There doesn't seem to be much long-term debt, which I don't understand, um, but Obviously, you know, there's weakness in the cannabis space and their tenants are maybe not making enough money to cover these uh, these rent payments. Certainly one is not. And I was wondering what you think is the biggest threat really to IIPR and whether it's worth a buy down here. Well, the biggest threat, uh, I think, is the general um, legalization nationwide, not decriminalization. I think decriminalization is actually better for them. Um, because then it comes up to the states, and I think there's uh, there's still going to be local regulation, but it's more if there is federal regulation that kind of blankets everything and makes their ability to operate in certain jurisdictions moot. Uh, decriminalization, to me, which is probably the next step, I don't think the government goes from criminalizing it to completely making it legal. I think they just get to decriminalization at some point. Um, so I think that's the biggest threat is actual legalization, full legalization, uh, which we don't see in the near term. Um, you're right. They did. They, they do have a tenant that is uh, nearly 10% of, of revenue that is defaulting, but you know, they're looking to re-rent that property. Uh, and you know, I think the threat of that is completely overblown. Um, you also have the fact that it's a growthier name. So higher rates uh, have have hurt them more than other type of REITs and their growth has slowed from 100% uh, year over year, uh, actually 200% year over year in the third quarter of 2020 to 44% year over year last quarter. Um, but they do yield 7.8%, still growing uh, their overall funds from operation. And like you said, very minimal debt. So they can go out there and probably borrow and uh, invest in new facilities, et cetera. And I think uh, I think they'll do fine longer term. I think this is attractive uh, area to, to pick it up. The dividend seems safe. I don't understand how you can have an almost eight percent dividend. That's safe. Well, I think it's company. I think it is market worry that the that one tenant might be a canary in the coal mine. That uh, the broader in, broader broader uh, the broader cannabis space uh, is going to uh, struggle, um, but. You know, we don't see that. Uh, we don't see it. We, this is more of a one-off thing uh, based on our analysis. And I think the market's overblowing that that risk. And once again, it's they're, one's defaulting, but it doesn't mean that property's going away. They can release that property. Just like you have a, a tenant that doesn't pay in your, uh, your, your home rental, 
you kick them out and you get a new renter in there that is much better. And uh, the odds are they'll probably be a little bit more um, judicious when it comes to uh, who they rent to the next time. Uh, and probably that's a good thing. So uh, I think this is uh, an opportunity long term. Great. Thank Thanks you. for the call. Now, my focus point concerns the story behind this question. Can ETFs harness momentum and add value to your portfolio? Now, investors across all levels of experience uh, typically trade tactically. But the big question is, what about the funds that trade tactically as well? Okay. And there are a few strategies that backtest very well. One are sector rotation and another would be managed futures. Okay. So let's look at sector rotation. Well, sector rotation are typically very similar to momentum investing that focuses on individual stocks, but instead this is focusing simply on the top sectors, top few performing sectors in the market looking back a year. And this kind of take advantages, takes advantage of inefficiencies in human behavior. And if you look long-term, sector rotation from 1927 to 2022, so very long period, averages about 14%, whereas your equal weight equity exposure is at about 10%. So that's about a 4% advantage each and every year. And that is an incredible, an absolutely incredible outperformance. And on top of that, you have lower volatility. Standard deviation of an equal weight portfolio, about 18.5. Standard deviation of a sector rotation, 16 and a quarter. That also is very significant. Max drawdown, equal weight, 54%. Sector rotation, 44, I'll call it 45%. So they benefit from real flexibility, meaning just follows the top three sectors in the market. Now, these type of sector ETFs, they tend to charge higher fees, but the fees are worth it. And this, the one thing you have to understand though, is it's not a it's not a diversifier. It's correlation with the broad markets is 90.91% or 91% let's call it. So that means that if you are adding this to your portfolio, that you have to understand that it still will be volatile. It just will likely outperform long-term. Now heading to a break, give me a call at 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use. 
and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, and this is no time to lose focus. So get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk, 888 chart Now the next Invest Talk, the story behind this question. With more Fed increases likely, how could these higher interest rates affect your wallet? Adjustable rate mortgages might be affected by interest rate hikes, and so could other credit products like credit cards. Is there anything you can do to lessen the impact? Now, let me finish up on my main focus point, which is different types of tactical strategies that will improve your overall return. Now, there are sector rotation. I talked a little about sector rotation, and there are sector rotation funds, but you can also utilize this in your own strategies. This is what we do for our clients as well. Overweight the sectors that uh, are, tend to do well and during this economic backdrop and are doing well over the past year or so. And once again, if you go back, you'll hear how over the long term, sector rotation outperforms by nearly 4% per year if done correctly. So certainly something to consider uh, either a fund or an overall strategy to your equity allocation. And then tactical diversification. And this comes when you you consider things like macro data, relative valuation, technical indicators, all things that we do use at KPP Financial, uh, but those also can add value. So one, if you, if you were aggressively tactical, uh, if you saw inflation rising, for example, you go all out and buy commodities. Why? Because they tend to outperform. If you are aggressive, Right, and you saw inflation coming. That's what we did for our aggressive strategies. Now, if you're more moderate strategies, what are you going to do? You're going to do buy things like tips, okay? Treasury inflation protected securities. What we did was lower our duration on our bond exposure. Um, that's what we did for some of our more moderate uh, to conservative accounts. Uh, so, and then if you're a conservative uh, strategy, you would probably put more into short-term bond funds, okay? So. You know, that's tactical allocation strategy, and that also adds value over time. Now, there's another popular one called managed futures, and these are typically run by commodity trading advisors, 
And they have different methodologies that exist, but it's mainly a trend following strategy to go long or short futures contracts related to a lot of different types of asset classes, commodities, equities, currencies, fixed income. So because it's long and short, it tends to be a lot less correlated to the overall market and similar volatility to the bond market. Now, bonds do long-term outperform a managed future strategy typically, but when you diverse, when you use it as, think of the 60-40 portfolio where 40% of the portfolio is bonds. If you split that 40 between bonds and, and a managed future strategy, that diversifies it well. And if you're rebalancing consistently, it actually improves the overall return. So on its own, they underperform bonds, but when used and mixed in with a portfolio that rebalances consistently, it does it does outperform. And why is that? It's because it's actually a pretty good hedge to major downside in certain in the market, whether that's the bond market or the equity markets. Okay. So the long story short here is if used correctly, these tactical funds or tactical overlays to your investment strategy certainly will add value. Now, you have to have a long-term time horizon because it's not going to outperform in every single month, every single quarter, or every single year. But when you have a strategy overlay that works, like we do at KP Financial, then when you stay with it consistently, then you can outperform. Okay, so I know there's the, the whole buy and hold strategy. I think uh, for some people that works, but looking to add these tactical overlays do add value. Let's go to Sammy in San Francisco, looking at Intuit. Yeah. Hi, uh, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah. I'd like to know your thoughts on Intuit, a good entry point. Okay. Uh, so this is Intuit. This is one of the largest tax and bookkeeping softwares in the world. Think of TurboTax as well as uh, QuickBooks, right? And they've been growing pretty dramatically uh, over the, over the last uh, handful of years. Earnings in 2016 were three dollars and seventy eight cents, supposed to make thirteen dollars and seventy one cents this year, and sixteen dollars per share next year. Modest dividend, 07 percent current dividend yield. But what uh, they're struggling with now is the reversal of that growth. Last quarter, revenues down six percent, earnings down forty four percent. And it's trading at a pretty juicy multiple. And when I say juicy, pretty high multiple. Enterprise value to EBITDA, 37. Pretty high, okay? And historically, this has traded closer to the teens, okay? And price to sales ratio uh, is right around 9.4. 10 is usually that, that mark where it's, that's really high. Uh, and this is, this is, to me, just very overvalued. Very good franchise. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Adobe, right? Adobe fell out of bed today. Uh, and I still think a lot of these large cap, I think it's the next shoe to drop within the market, are these large cap growth names that have come down a lot. This is down 41% from its 52-week high, but have a lot more to go when it comes to multiple contraction. And I think Intuit falls in that camp. So I would be very, very patient on it. Now, our value is closer to $300 per share. Now it's at 422. Uh, and let me give you a number on support. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't 
see this, I think double bottom from uh, the recent lows, that would be an interesting place to, for, for me to get in. Uh, I just don't love the technicals. The technicals will pour down another 14 bucks today. Uh, you know, yeah, the recent low is 337. Yeah, that's still overvalued. So until it gets to 300, I'm not touching this. Uh, until there's some washout within these larger cap growth names, I'm still not touching. They bought MailChimp, kind of diversified their business, but uh, it's still trading at just way too high a multiple for me to get excited about it. So I'm passing on into it, but definitely keeping it on the watch list. Thanks for the call, Sammy. Now, my phone, my, my, now the more caller questions we fit in the podcast, the better your learning experience will be. So let's play a question from an Invest Talk Voice Bank at 888 chart. Hi, everyone. Uh, Joe from Pittsburgh. Thanks, guys, for an excellent podcast. Always enjoy listening to you. Uh, calling about ticker P-O-O-L, Pool Corp. Looking forward to hearing what you think. Thanks. All right, looking at Pool Corp. And as you would expect, they distribute swimming pool supplies and related products. About 120,000 customers and there, this is uh, this is also in a downtrend. It's one of those high multiple stocks that have come down pretty dramatically, but it's uh, come down to a level that's at least reasonable, especially if you're looking at in, in relation to Intuit. Now, Intuit probably should say should sell at a premium to Pool um, because Pool is more of just a distributor, uh, whereas Intuit has a little more dynamic of a business as a as a cloud software provider. Uh, but it, this is also in a strong downtrend, down 43.6 percent of the last uh, fi uh, last 52 weeks and it is this growth is also coming down from 57% earnings growth or revenue growth in the first quarter of 2021 and the last quarter was only 15% and earnings are expected actually to drop 2% next year okay from an all-time high this year of $18.83 so same thing very tough technical backdrop even even stronger downtrend than into it and threatening to break the most recent lows from June. So that relative strength is very, very weak. Uh, where is, let me look at some of the multiples here. Look at the chart. Yeah, it's, it's definitely gonna break this 200 week moving average. I think this is headed to the 100 month moving average, which is probably right around 210. Now it's at 328 now. So I think there's still a lot more downside to come. I do think this is another good company to have on your watch list. Return on invested capital, 37%. Now that's higher than it typically is, but even long-term, it's been in the mid-20s, which is very, very strong. So I like the business, still trading at about 14 times enterprise value to EBITDA, price sales 2.2, much better than Intuit. Um, so this is closer to me than to reasonable value, um, but it's just not there yet. The technicals are just far too poor. So. Uh, I would be patient. Look for a capitulation volume uh, to the downside here, uh, where you see a major sell-off with just extremely high volume. Look at three, four, five times its average daily volume. That would be an indicator that maybe the uh, the, the the sellers are are all gone, uh, but we're not there yet. So I'm also passing on pool, but keeping it on my watch list. Thanks for the call. 888-99 chart, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We have about 15 minutes left to get your question in. Now, let's talk about the bond market. And investors have been dumping bonds at a pretty fast clip. 
And if you look at the recent sell-off, it's been, it's been one that most people haven't felt in a long, long time. And the last time the bond bear bond market was in a was in a bear market was in 1990. Okay. Now it peaked on January 4th, 2021, and has fallen 21% in the 12, uh, in, in, uh, since then, you know, 12 months since then. Okay. So we've been in a fairly long, uh, bond market. The aggregate total bond index dropped into that bear market last week. Okay. So what you're seeing here is that when you have a, when you have long duration, you're going to get hurt more when you are heavily weighted towards government bonds, you're going to get hurt, hurt more when you're allocating to the bond market. Why is that? Well, we know that longer duration assets are more affected by higher interest rates. That should be something everybody knows. But what people, a lot of people don't realize is that low yielding assets like treasuries also are more sensitive to higher interest rates. And funds focused on treasuries have turned returned minus 17% through August. Intermediate corporates down 14%. Now, if you are more diversified, that's right around 12%, right? You have junk bonds, you have a securitized bonds, you have taxable munis, etc. That gives you a little bit more diversity and you're down not nearly as much. But the problem is with those aggregate bond in indices, and that's what most people have exposure to when they're buying bond funds, because that's what you're buying if you have a TSP, uh, a lot of index bond funds within your 401k are going to be tied to the total bond market index. And as government, bond, government debt balloons, we know that it's happening, it becomes a bigger slice of the total bond market. And that's why those continue to struggle the most. Okay. And this is something that most people have not dealt with. Not dealt with. And the speed and intensity of this sell-off is means that a lot of people are shunning the whole space. And a lot of people didn't realize what type of risk they had in their portfolio because they thought they were quote unquote safe. And these are times where you have to take that lesson to heart and apply that to your allocation towards fixed income in general and delineate the difference between a short-term government bond fund versus uh, a long-term corporate bond fund. And they do have different risks, often dramatically different risks. So you can't color bonds with one broad stroke, There's just like you can't color stocks one broad stroke either. Now I'm Justin Klein, you're listening to Invest Talk, and you want to grow your wealth, right? That's what we're here to do. But of course, as you make your investment choices, there will always be a bit of fear that creeps into your judgment process, fear and greed. And fear comes from risk perception. So if you need help understanding and defining your investment comfort zone, 
I encourage you to head over to our website, KP Financial, and try our free online tool called RiskLize. It'll run you through a quick questionnaire, help you understand where the pain tolerance is, what your risk tolerance is to volatility. Then how does that apply to your portfolio that you're invested in now? Is it right on track or is it something that you need to adjust? So I encourage you to do that. But for now, I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. Hello, we'd like to get your opinion on Service Corporation International. The ticker symbol is SCI. Just want to know what a good valuation for this stock would be. Thank you. All right, this is Services Corporation International. Provides funeral, cremation, and cemetery services through four, nearly 1,500 funeral sites and nearly 500 cemeteries. About a $10 billion market cap. And this is something we do own for clients. We've owned it for a while. And they have consistent cash flow. Uh, their business is obviously boomed during the pandemic, unfortunately. Uh, but we also have an aging population that naturally is going to be looking for uh, their type of services, prepaying for those type of services. And if you look at their return on invested capital, around 14% return on equity, 40%. Now, that's a bit higher than it typically is, but even long term, it averages around 30%, which is very, very high. And it's uh, free cash flow, about 5.5% of its uh, market cap. And it's enterprise value bit less than 10, price sales 2.4. So it's at support. Um, it's modestly undervalued in our mind, uh, but it's a great long term performer. And I'm going to give it a thumbs up, obviously. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your question. We're heading into our final break. So give me a call at 888 chart The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief risk quiz. Howdy, InvestTalk. I was wondering what your thoughts and recommendations are regarding cash and interest rates in today's higher rate environment. In particular, let's just say a person wants to have a relatively sizable amount of cash, safe and liquid, so that they could perhaps make a down payment on a house and also just you know cash for emergency funds. Obviously, there's you know money market CDs and uh, perhaps some other non-volatile interest-paying places to park your cash without the risk involved in being invested in like you know a long-term stock or bond or such. So, all right, thanks again. Bye. All right, a lot of people are having this dilemma and they have cash on the sidelines and suddenly. For the first time in a long time, you have options to actually earn return on that cash. But like any investment, there are drawbacks, there are risks. So putting that in something that is low risk is ideal, especially if you're planning to use it over the next um, two, three years. Uh, two is typically my, my standard kind of near-term use for cash. Three is kind of borderline. Beyond that, you get to intermediate and long-term, and those have different uh, different goals. Uh, but if you're if you want to keep the money very safe, uh, there are FDA insured money market accounts that you can go invest in. Uh, this isn't a sponsorship or anything. I use Marcus by Goldman Sachs, FDIC insured, very easy to use. 
Uh, right now, yielding 1.9%. You can probably get a little bit higher than that from others, uh, but that's kind of where most of those online savings accounts, high-yield online savings accounts are sitting. Now, the Fed's going to raise rates next week that uh, will feed into that and probably get closer to that two and a half, two and three quarter uh, level uh, as well. And you know, you're going to get a little bit higher yield. And that's a good thing about those savings accounts that you're locked into it. Uh, CDs, for example, you buy them now, you're going to be locked into that, that rate for uh, however long that CD is. So, you know, in a rising rate environment, you want to be in these, these very floating rate kind of short term, safe uh, investment vehicles. And uh, these FDIC insured money market accounts or high yield savings accounts are the way to go. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch on market valuations and the market valuation as well as sentiment. I think both are very important. Now, since the, the market drawdown, uh, the peak in 2020, the market P has gone from about 22 to 18. And 18's kind of the middle of historical valuation. You know, I don't like P, but you know, it's a good broad metric. Uh, and, uh, but the situation's a bit different than the last time the market was sitting at about an 18 multiple. It was at about 19 pre-pandemic. Now it's at an 18. Well, we have now 8% inflation, rising interest rates, and uh, an economy, I would say that's pretty on par with the pre-pandemic uh, economy when it comes to growth. We were actually kind of sliding into a mild recession pre-pandemic. Uh, a lot of that had to do with the Trump tariffs and uh, slowing global trade. Uh, it wasn't dramatic, but it was kind of eating away at the growth of the economy. Okay. And so if you, if you look at the background statistics, and that's kind of what you're seeing now. Higher interest rates are eating away at the growth of the economy. You could argue fast or slow, but it's eating away. And the yield curve is inverted. And typically, when you have inflation, and you have volatility, multiples compress. And you've already seen a lot of multiples compress from cyclical names, energy, and you would think, well, why do energy names compress? Well, it's because their earnings have gone up a lot. And the yeah, stock's gone up a lot, but earnings have gone up more. So a lot of the energy names are still selling at pretty low multiples, which is pricing in the, uh, the, the odds of a potential recession and a lower demand for energy. That's why they're trading at relatively low multiples. And you can argue uh, both sides of that. You also have chip makers, which are now going into um, a, gl over a glut. Um, they're going down, multiples are, are contracting, as well as tech companies. Think of Netflix, Tesla, for example. But what has not is are the Walmarts, the Cokes of the world, the Costco's of the world. Those bluer chip names that trading at 25, 30, 35 times earnings and more that people own because they think they're quote unquote blue chip. I think that's where the most pain left in this downtrend in the market is. Now that clashes with sentiment, which is actually pretty bearish, which often means at least near term, a market bounce. So uh, remember, valuation is not a good market timing tool. Uh, sentiment is much better. And sentiment is still pretty bearish. Well, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. 
You can join us anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And with your positive rating, it raises our profile and helps spread the word. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights.